On today's episode, we talk about the hard truth that function with the body has to come before physique and weight loss. We know that the scale is what is bothering us. We know that how our clothes fit or how we look in the mirror is what we think about all day. But the real truth is that the gut, the hormones, the blood sugars, everything that plays a role in your ability to lose weight is what matters first. And so we're going to talk you through what those things are, why they're necessary and important, and hopefully get you to a place of understanding that yes, the function of your body and the symptoms of your body have to come before the weight. Live your life within the moment, moment. And don't go wait until the morning, morning. You never know when it is over, over. All that I know is we'll get over. It's Monday and we are ready to talk some really good stuff. I was like, we are ready to fly because we're leaving on Wednesday. Yes, we are. I'm... I get so sad when I leave my little ones. I know. It's like, uh, five nights, four nights away. I wish I was going somewhere fun. Not that I'm not excited to be with you guys and learn a lot of things, but I still wish we were going somewhere fun. Boise, Idaho. Here we come. (laughs) We are Maybe it's going to be beautiful. I've heard Boise's a pretty cool place. And we're staying like legit downtown. Yeah. So. And then when we go to the house, I think that's in the mountains, which will be pretty. Yeah. So Um, we're going to Boise, Idaho for a Cellcor conference. Cellcor is probably one of the main supplement companies within the functional space. Yeah, one of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it'll be good. We're going to see some practitioners there that we've had on the podcast and get some team photos and just do some fun things as Fit Mom team. Yeah. Miss Courtney Bear will be there with us too, which is exciting. Yep. So it'll be fun. It's just going to be four nights in a hotel away from our kids. Yeah. Makes me sad. But Art and Marcus will probably have pizza like every night. Oh, I know. My husband will for sure order pizza at least once. My children will probably eat tons of candy and it's going to be great. Be disasters when you get home. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Marcus is like, I want the big pizza. Like he's no longer settled for just like his own like small pizza. No, mom, I want the big pizza. I'm like, we can make homemade pizza. We're not ordering pizza. Like we don't order pizza. Very frequently. We got the kids meet pizza on Saturday night. (laughs) I like can't take Taylor to grocery stores anymore. (laughs) Even without Carson. Like she's just a lot. She literally, unless she is strapped into the cart, which now needs to happen because she climbs out of her seat and then is like standing on the cart as I'm trying to push it. And she, if she's on the ground, she's a runner. Mm -hmm. So she like grabs a bunch of stuff on the shelves and just takes off. and. She's just, she is me, 27, no, 30, 33 years ago. 27 years I don't ago. Know. I was, like, You're I really was starting to say 20. I was like, that's not right. <laughs> oh my gosh. My mom said that I did that at grocery stores and stores. I would run away from her and like hide places. So this is just karma. My child. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know that I was definitely just always a very bossy kid, like all the time, just demanding people to like sing. We'd be like having dinner. And I would just like bang the fork on the counter and be like, Angie, sing, Julie, sing, mom, sing. Um, I don't know. I just, I have like pictures of me. I remember like there was a couple of pictures that we went through when my mom passed of like spaghetti just like everywhere. Like some of the pictures that you show of like uh, yeah. Taylor with her yogurts and stuff. I'm like, yeah. She's a mess. So and the only way that I take Marcus up. with me is like one bribe him with cake pops from Starbucks or toys 
uh, or my phone. And I'm like, just sit in the cart and watch the phone. I've done that with Taylor sometimes because I, I can't. Like, she's literally trying to climb out of the cart as I'm trying to shop and push the cart and put things in the cart. And it's just, Mine and then just she just like screams. Instacart. Yeah, I know. I, I just hate Instacart. I know. But yes, that is where, yeah, she grabs, she like is one of those that just touches everything along the aisles. Mm-hmm. And she's amazing, but she's a lot. And then her and Carson just fight. It's usually her beating Carson up and him like crying and her laughing or just like she just has a stone cold face as she's like hitting him or pulling his hair and he's crying and she just has no emotions. I'm like, are you a sociopath? Because you literally are like pulling his hair. He's screaming and you just start having I'm surprised that he hasn't started getting like frustrated and like just like he has a little bit and I don't blame him. Yeah. I'm like, well, you guys are going to have to work it out. So. (laughs) I, just, I don't know what to do here. Um, like coming downstairs with like black eyes. Oh my God. <laughs> well, they, that's last night they were in the bath and I was in the other room trying to put gr- laundry away and I just hear him screaming, crying and her laughing. And I'm like, this can't be good. And I go in there and she's got a handful of his hair just yanking on his oh head. Oh my gosh. And he's like, mom, she won't. She's being such a bully right now. And Carson's like totally my emotional one. I'm like, you're literally double her age and size. Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So it's so fun. They're great. Um, and then they gave hugs this morning. This morning I brought Taylor in when, when we woke him up and he's like, Mom, can I get out of bed and give Taylor a hug? And then oh, they give a hug so and I'm sweet. like, Oh, you guys are so cute. You're also crazy. But anyways, <laughs> happy Monday, guys. We are we are gonna bring a good one today. I'm really excited about today. Um Yes, I think we're probably going to give you a little bit of a gut punch. In some ways, because sometimes we have to realize that what we want instantaneously is not within our reach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's okay to be frustrated and it's okay to not like, you know, the answer. But we would be doing you a disservice if we don't tell you the truth. Because I think a lot of people, especially if they are working with clients one on one, we want to get you to your goal. But I'm not going to lie to you and be like, yeah, that's going to happen in the next 90 days yeah, just to get somebody to sign up. Like, we're one, too busy for that. Like, we want to help people change lives. Like, I know you want to lose weight and that can be a byproduct of health, but there's other work that needs to be done. And that's mm-hmm. what we're going to talk about today, that the function within your body, the dysfunction that's occurring needs to be fixed before weight loss. Sometimes weight loss comes along the way as we start to improve things. And that's a really, really nice benefit. But most of the time we have people coming in who are chronically stressed, very inflamed, and have underfed themselves and are undernourished. So we've talked about this before on other podcasts in terms of underfed and undernourished. So there can be both scenarios. Someone can be just flat out under eating. So you're both, you're underfed and you're undernourished. Others can be just undernourished because they don't have the right capacity to properly assimilate nutrients and absorb them. And so therefore they are malnourished and having a lot of deficiencies, right? Mm-hmm. But More commonly, we see the combination, whether you're under eating because you're trying to diet your way into the scale moving, but the scale hasn't been moving, eating 12 to 1400 calories for the last four years. Maybe there's inconsistencies there, but you've still been chronically deprivation dieting. And you're like, oh shit, they want me to eat 2000 calories, 2300 calories. Like, oh my God, I don't think I can do that. Because what happens is, Mentally, your brain says, alarm, alarm, alarm. We're not losing weight eating 1,214 calories. Mathematics tells us if I eat 2,300 calories, I'm going to gain weight. But the body says, 
bitch, I need some nutrients. Mm -hmm. And if you're not giving me some nutrients, I'm not going to release any weight because I already am lacking in the nutrients and I need to survive. Mm -hmm. I need to keep you alive. Right. And so this is hard because you have a mental battle internally. And then you got like the science and we're, you know, telling our clients like, we have proof in the pudding that what you've been doing hasn't been working. So you, if you trust the process, we promise we will get you there. But we got to work on the function side first. We got to fix the dysfunction and help you work on all of the things that you're struggling with day to day with your symptoms. And that's hard because, again, from a female perspective, a lot of us put our confidence in the wrong thing. You put your confidence in what the scale says. You put your confidence in the size of clothes that you wear. And that's not where your confidence should lie. Your confidence honestly should lie in the fact that you take care of yourself. You show up every day. You are doing all of the things that you can to support longevity and know that your body needs love in this time and be empathetic to yourself. Yeah. I think today we're going to try our best to explain to you why the function being dysfunctional impacts your weight. Mm -hmm. so that you can understand why it has to come first and why there are certain needs that the body has to develop for you to lose weight successfully and sustainably. Because can you do something like semaglutide or phenamine or super low calorie diets and maybe get the scale to move a little bit? Probably. Unless you're really effed up, then it's probably not, nothing's going to happen. You're going to have to fix this first. But eventually you're going to come back to needing this support. And the problem with semaglutide, let me just throw this out there. Um, first of all, the doctors that are just handing it over to people are pieces of trash. Like this is messing with people's bodies and metabolism. Um, the research shows that most of the weight loss is actually water and muscle. It is, I believe it's like 50-50. Like you're losing just as much muscle and water as you are body fat which in turn is going to lower your metabolic rate long term. And once you gain weight back, which you likely will if you're not using it properly and in the right scenarios, you're going to gain back fat. You're not going to gain back that muscle you lose. You're going to gain back the fat. And so can it be effective and useful? Absolutely. When it's used how it's mostly being used, it's a disaster. Kind of like HCG. Yes. Very similar to HCG. Yep. How many people have we had come to us that have lost a good amount of weight on HCG and then sky rocketed. Yes. Yes. With their weight. And it comes back as fat. And then you are in a worse place where you started. And so like Liz was saying, the main issue that most people have that gets them to where they are is under eating. And a lot of people, to be honest, might not even realize they're doing it. If you're eating healthy and if you're exercising, you're probably under eating because if you're eating healthy food, it's usually higher fiber, which cuts back technically on like how many carbs you're eating because you reduce fiber from carbs. And then you also are eating healthy foods, which are lower calorie in nature. And then you're exercising and you're active. So now you're creating this natural calorie deficit, which is starting to backfire on you because when your body doesn't have the resources it needs further. And when you eat a monotonous diet, which is another problem that most people that quote unquote eat healthy do, you eat the same effing thing every day. So you're eating, you know, eggs and, you know, egg veggie break in the morning, or you're eating some oatmeal in the morning, and then lunch is a salad or some leftovers from dinner. Dinner's a protein and vegetable. You're having maybe a yogurt or a piece of fruit. All of this is great. But if you never change your diet, you're going to end up with a very low diversity within the gut. And you likely are not eating enough calories, which then is placing an additional stress on the body. And so what starts to happen 
is that with all of this dysfunction, we actually start to end up with this larger and larger stress load because you are probably someone too that, I don't know, maybe has other stressors. Your job is a stress. Your kids are stressful. You're not sleeping enough every night. You're probably having drinks on the weekends occasionally. You're having, you know, inconsistency with food intake. You're starting to develop food intolerances. And all of these stressors start to pile up. We unfortunately have a lot of toxicity in our world today. I think it's a huge driver to a lot of issues like fertility and autoimmune conditions and gut dysfunction that we're seeing rise more and more with women. Um, but either way, we, we have a lot of this stress that starts to accumulate in your stress bucket. And unfortunately, if you are not actively working on that stress bucket, like managing liver detoxification and gut work and diversification with food and adequate intake for periods of time or changing your training, you start getting this overflowing of stress in the bucket because you're not draining it very well. You're not counteracting that with de-stressing activities. You're not working the parasympathetic very well. You're just always in this stress, stress state. And so that's where dysfunction starts to happen. And people wonder why now I try this calorie deficit or I try cutting carbs or I try X, Y, and Z that used to work. It ain't working anymore. And I also have poor sleep now. I have hot flashes. I have night sweats. I have headaches. I have stomach pains. I have more foods I can't eat or I get bloated with. I have loose stools or constipation or back and forth. I have, you know, heavy periods or I'm having irregular periods or I've lost my period. All of these things start happening and we focus on the scale as women. That's the problem. Like as soon as the scale becomes a problem, we're like shit needs to change. Mm -hmm. But you didn't realize that all of the things leading into that are the problem. And so we want to talk about what those typically are. Yeah, you didn't just get here overnight. You know, I think a lot of us who are type A, we have a lot of shit to do. We just handle it, right? Like I would say that I am definitely that person. Um, I'm going to do the things that I need to do. And I'm a list maker and I like to just get things done, even though I know that maybe I should slow down in some other areas. It can be really hard, right? And challenging because. You don't have time. If you're not the person, you know, who's running your business, you're not uh, growing your business. And so for some of you out there, you might be like, okay, that's great. But like, there is absolutely no time. Well, I'm going to tell you guys that there is time. So I just wrapped up phase one of 75 hard. It's a lot of things to do in a day. We had our biggest month that we've ever had uh, in March. No, yeah, March. April is another big month for us. Um, I've had more calls with people, you know, wanting to enter into our program and hiring people on our team that I've had before. And I still have all my clients to serve and all the shit still got done because you tell yourself that you don't have time. You tell yourself that you don't have ways to slow down or that you can't meditate or you can't take a, you know, walk outside, all of those things you can, you're just not making it a priority. So if you want to counterbalance the stressors here, you've got to make it a priority. And if you want to get to that place where you can lose weight, Stress has to be a top priority and managing your stress and maybe saying no to things on the weekends, right? Allowing yourself to chill and veg on the couch. Sometimes like you need to do those things because as Becca's talking about with the stress bucket, your body perceives stress in so many ways that we cannot even imagine, right? Like science and research is awesome and it tells us a lot about the body and how it functions, but really the man upstairs who designed us is the only one who truly knows how the body really functions. 
And so we can sit here and we can tell you your makeup, your skincare, your hair care, your shampoo, all of these things add to your toxic load. But we have to look around our processed foods, our environment, like your air quality, your water quality, all of those things, birth control, you know, things that you're taking for other issues, whether it's anxiety or depression, other medications, all those things are stressors to your body. Okay. Because they are not normal, right? God didn't design birth control. A scientist designed it. Awesome for people who don't want to get pregnant, but also not great long-term. And we'll get to that. So do you understand what I'm saying here is that you have to start to remove things from this stress bucket so that you can maintain something that is manageable. Because your body is also designed when we get into talking about gut infections here or mold infections or you know other things that are underlying in the body, parasites especially, your body is designed to handle these things. The problem is that we've become so stressed and so overloaded that the immune system can no longer handle these things as it should. Okay, so first and foremost, when we're looking at the work that we need to do, we've got to remove underlying infections. You got to remove things that are causing your immune system to stay in overdrive or eventually just get so exhausted that it's like wiped out and then now you're sick. Okay. Um, we have to think about diversity of our diet because we have a diverse microbiome. There are hundreds of different bacteria in the gut and they all need different things to be fed and to produce things that they should produce in the gut. So for example, we talk about butyrate. Um, it's implicated in the release of peptides, GLP-1, which induce insulin re release. So when you are consuming food and it hits the gut, this tells the gut to release GLP, aka semaglutide. So butyrate is a short chain fatty acid and it drops when we have a monotonous diet. So you're eating the same five to 10 foods, maybe because your gut is so inflamed and so leaky, you can only tolerate five to 10 foods or because it's not been a priority to eat in season, diversify your intake and eat one ingredient whole foods. This also happens because of stress, which impairs stomach acid production, which impairs our absorption of nutrients. And those are the things that regrow butyrate. Okay. And so this is nice because when we're doing functional testing for individuals, it gives us a lot of insight and we can show them, hey, here's some keystone species. Here's some really important things that tell us you need more prebiotics and probiotics in your diet, not supplements necessary. Sometimes, yes, but more so from food as much as we possibly can because they have a lot of other vitamins and minerals that, again, various bacteria feast upon and produce different things in the body and, and give the, the body various signaling. Okay, so we know from, for example, uh, when someone is heavily stressed, they become depleted of magnesium, vitamin C, other nutrients like B vitamins that are really important, especially in the large intestine. Okay, so stress also impacts your motility. When you're locked up, or like I say, locked down and you're constipated, all those toxins that are sitting in your waist, including estrogen, which we're going to talk about, recirculates in the body. So now you become more toxic. Your liver becomes more burdened. So not only is your gut dysfunctional and you're malnourished, now your liver is burdened and congested. And you wonder why you've got skin rashes, you're not losing weight, you're tired all the time, you have brain fog, you can't concentrate on things, right? A variety of other symptoms that can happen here. So we've got to fix these things and get these things back in line, especially if we want the body to function well from a hormonal perspective uh, and get the signaling that it should to various other organ systems. So that's kind of my piece on the gut part. <laughs> 
Well, if you if you have metabolism issues, you have gut issues. Yeah. And that's the bottom line. Like if you are struggling to lose weight and even if you've done a lot of things, you have to consider too the fact that your body adapts to things. And so if you've done other protocols, if you've used supplements before, if you've used berberine or antimicrobials or anything that works on the gut, when you go into a protocol, it needs to be different. There needs to be variation. There needs to be drastic change or else you're just going to keep doing the same things and there's going to be no change. 40% of inflammation too that you probably deal with is because of the gut. Like there's so many things that stem from the gut that need to be resolved. And if you are struggling with weight, you always have to go to the gut first. And if you're if you've done the gut and you're still struggling with weight, there's probably more gut work that needs to happen. Like it just it 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 is so imperative with hormone sensitivity, with nutrient sensitivity, with insulin sensitivity, everything that matters when it comes to your weight has to do with the gut. And so if you are dealing with bloating, some level of constipation, like you only go to the bathroom if you drink coffee, or you only go to the bathroom if you take 2000 milligrams of magnesium or whatever it is, there's more gut work that needs to go on. There's tons more. And so knowing you always have to come back to the gut and manage that, and then it becomes a lot easier moving downstream. So downstream, we also think about blood sugars, and insulin resistance. If your A1C is over like 5.2, if your blood sugars are over 95, fasting blood sugars are over 90 or 95 consistently, if you get a fasting insulin and that's over you know, four or five, basically what is going on is your body is in a state where it cannot take and use energy anymore well. You are stuck in a sugar burning state. Your body can't burn body fat. And a lot of times what people try to do is you know, all of you high proteiners, all, all of you people, I was one of them. You just ate a bunch of high protein for a long time. Guess what starts to happen? Your body actually starts taking that protein and turning it into sugar. And it's much more taxing to the body. And so now you create more dysfunction because of that. You can be insulin resistance and not eat carbs. We see it all the time. And so insulin resistance stems from inflammation. You can't just solve it by cutting out carbs. Sometimes that's part of it when put in at the right time and the right place. But most people have to work on the inflammation cellularly. And so when you have blood sugar issues, when you are tired all the time, when you have brain fog, when you have you know fatigue or in, like chronic uh, joint pain, things like that, you're likely dealing with blood sugar and insulin issues. It's not just weight gain. And so you have to look and figure out the right keys. That's why when we work with clients, we look at blood work first. We get these numbers. We look at Dutch. We look at GI map. We look at all of these things that can tell us what's going on because until you resolve insulin resistance, you will not lose weight. It is just plain and simple. It sucks, but it's the reality of it. And how you resolve insulin resistance could be a number of factors. Like we said, it might be stemming from the gut. It might be stemming from stress on the body because you train too much and you won't take a day off. It could be from a lot of different things. And so we have to look at your individual situation. It could be from under eating. If you're chronically under eating, that can drive it. People can be insulin resistance, deal with insulin resistance and not overeat. It can be from stress. Stress causes cortisol to elevate. Cortisol elevated manages or uh, mismanages insulin. And so there's so many connections within the body. And that's why you have to be able to understand how you're looking at things and not just be like, I just need to cut cutting, car, cutting carbs. I just need to take out work or need to up my workouts. I need to do more hit classes. 
No, no, no. I think this is also why it's really important to get eyes on full lab work because unfortunately we, as Becca mentioned, we see it all the time where someone is insulin resistant or they are high with their insulin, but their A1C and their glucose, fasting glucose is not a great measure of your blood sugar, by the Mm -hmm. way. Um, But let's say like your A1C is fine, but your insulin is very elevated. Your doctor's not going to catch that. And what they're going to tell you is that, well, your A1C isn't high, so we don't need to check your insulin. Just like they tell you, well, your TSH isn't high, so we don't need to check any further thyroid hormones. Or this is not a thyroid podcast. You guys can go and listen to other thyroid podcasts that we've done. That is straight BS. Mm, you guys. And I, I, we, saw it, we see it all the time. I had a client oh, that yeah. I just saw the blood work. Her TSH is, no, it's optimal, technically. Mm-hmm. Her TSH was like a 1.5. Yep. Her antibodies are terrifying. Mm-hmm. She has, absolutely, she has Hashimoto's autoimmune condition. Mm-hmm. She might also be having, I don't want to say thyroid cancer, but like there's implications that this could be much more serious. Mm-hmm. You would never know without testing the antibodies. Yep. We see, we, I, I think within the last week or two, I've had four or five clients where their TSH is within the even functional optimal range, mm-hmm. but at a cellular level, there's cellular hypothyroid going on where their body is not producing the hormones or converting into active hormones. And so this is, again, another metabolic break. There's multiple metabolic breaks in the body, okay? Insulin is one of them. Low-functioning thyroid is also another one because it runs your metabolism. And so, for example, the the labs that I read today, TSH was in functional optimal range. Free T3 was a 1.2. That's very, very low. Half of what it should, less than half yeah, of what it less should than be. half. We, we want to be between 3 and 3.25 for your free T3. So then it's, it, it's understanding, okay, why is my doctor not digging? If your doctor is not digging, fire your doctor. Remember that you are the paying patient. Okay, so let me paint this picture for you because I just thought of this analogy and I think it's great. Now I'm going to make it real out of it. So you go to a restaurant and you have a horrible experience. So bad, you don't even leave a tip. You go to a doctor, you have a horrible experience, but you keep going back to them. And, and they like, keep giving you the same answers. Why do you keep going back to them? I have someone I talked to today that was like, well, I have to be careful about what I ask my doctor for. I was like, why? Well, yeah. Why? You're the paying customer. Yeah. It's just like, she's like, I have to pick my battles. Then you need a new then doctor. you need a new doctor. You shouldn't be fighting with your doctor. You should, should you be fighting with someone that's paid to help you? You should be in a relationship with your doctor. That's how this works. And a lot of times there's multiple people in your corner, depending upon the level of dysfunction. I'm very thankful that a couple of my complex gut cases, I have great GI doctors for them and they've looked at all their tests. They've looked at all the protocols. They're fully supportive of it. I have one that's going to be doing um, a pancreatic uh, test that we don't have functionally. So they're going to do that conventionally, which is going to be great because this could be a game changer for him. But we found it through his GI map. Rather than, yeah, I don't know what that test is. I don't know how to read that. So it, you know, disregard it. That's a bad doctor. That's a doctor who doesn't care. That's a doctor who says, I don't know about this, so it doesn't matter. And in fact, there's many answers inside of the GI map test for many, many people. The doctor that is curious and is open to learning and wants you to feel better and is 
empathetic to your situation and says, you know, this is great that you had this test done. We don't have this tool. This is really cool. Tell me more about it. How can I better help you? Is a doctor you want to be in a relationship with? So just remember that this is a totally like a Friday fire moment. Fire your doctor if mm -hmm. you don't feel comfortable. If you have anxiety or you know, any form of negative emotion going to your doctor's office, that's a pretty big red flag. Mm -hmm. I, of course, have to address my doctors in a way that is welcoming to their opinion, mm -hmm. right? So if you go into your doctor's office and you're like, I need these tests ordered because so-and-so said so, and you have no other reasoning behind it, your doctor is probably going to brush you off and I don't blame them for that. No, I don't either. If you go in and say, hey, doc, I'm really not feeling well. And I know that we've done some things, but we haven't gotten, you know, anywhere. And I just, I'm not getting any better. So I went and I, you know, talked with a functional practitioner. I got some of their testing done and this is what they're kind of telling me. Some things are out of line. Would you mind, you know, kind of discussing this with me and having that open conversation? Maybe they'll give you the CGM monitor prescription that you want to manage to look at your blood sugar levels, right? Maybe they'll give you a referral out to an endocrinologist or whatever it is that you need. So I think this is also the patient's approach. But if you are nervous or scared or your doctor just totally is not willing to have a conversation with you, there are many other doctors out there that are good human beings and mm -hmm. that will help you because not all doctors are bad by any no. means. No. All right, back to our scheduled service. So <laughs> we're talking about next up is estrogen dominance and hormones, essentially. So if your hormones are imbalanced, you will not lose weight. It's just the reality of it. They need to be balanced and they need to be hopefully optimal. They shouldn't be super low and they shouldn't be super high. And we're going to talk about why. So when estrogen levels in particular are too high in comparison to progesterone, so you might have a healthy level of progesterone, but you're dealing with what's known as estrogen dominance, it basically triggers the body to make more insulin. So now you deal with insulin resistance, high blood sugars, which cause weight gain. On the other hand, if you have too low of estrogen, like if you are overtraining and under eating for long periods of time, if you are postmenopausal, you will end up in a place where your body's basically converting energy into fat. So what you should be burning, your body is now slowing down metabolic function, turning that energy into body fat because it needs to keep your estrogen levels in balance. Mm -hmm. This is why people gain what's called the estrogen belly because it's also stress-related. So if you deal with other things like mood swings, insomnia, anxiety, depression, infertility, all of those things will be likely because of estrogen issues. And this is why, honestly, like menopause sucks so much because your estrogen is going all over the board and those highs and lows of estrogen create all of the nasty symptoms that you feel yep. and the loss of progesterone because progesterone is basically like, peace out, see you later. And estrogen's like, I'm going cray cray over here mm -hmm. and I'm just going to make you feel like shit. Yep. I, I really believe in progesterone for people. I mean, mm -hmm. I used it... Uh, postpartum. Yep. And I think that it definitely saved me in terms of absolutely postpartum depression, primarily because Marcos is in the NICU. What a whirlwind that was. Um, get some chaste berry in there, get some progon B like mm -hmm. you can be, you know, careful with dosing at first. Do not do creams. Do not do gels on your skin. I had you a, will shed it to people. I had a, um, trochee or yeah, dissolvable. Trinky. Is that what they're called? Trochee, trochee, trochee. Yeah, I hate pronunciation of things. Um, it's like a little tablet that you Yeah, you basically, it's a dissolvable. Yeah. Yeah, so we prefer, do not do pellets. 
We prefer progesterone can be oral, but I prefer trochies, mm-hmm. creams down there or suppositories. Um, the testosterone cream down there. Yeah. Yep. Because then you're not likely as shedding it as much. You guys, you can shed your, like, if you're doing tr- creams or gels, you can shed it to your dog. You can shed it to your kids. Crazy. Kids should not be getting HRT. Like, yeah. it is very real. That happens. So um, pellets are the worst. You get huge doses of estri- or, um, hormones, and you end up with really high levels of circulating hormones that make you basically resistant to hormone. Mm-hmm. So now you're insensitive. You have tons of high circulating levels in your blood, and your body can't use them. So, Well, then I wonder the immune system response to pellets, right? So mm-hmm. like I was actually just chatting with um some family members the other day. We were talking about my explant surgery and they were talking about, you know, somebody that had really really bad uh BII, breast implant illness. She was actually diagnosed with MS. It was that bad and it wasn't uh at all MS. So then we were talking about his friend who had hip replacements. He's had two of them now because your immune system, these are foreign objects in your body, mm-hmm. will accept or reject them, right? And then all of the things, um, you know, in terms of just like toxicity and like what was happening in surgery when they put them in and all of that. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that piece with pellets. Do you know if there's anybody who's, I'm sure people have reacted poorly to that. So like the injection site, like the site that mm-hmm. they put it. I'm not sure about that. I know that. So when you have really highs or really big lows of hormones, it's an immune instigator. Mm-hmm. So like your immune system overreacts when you have highs and lows sure. of hormones, which is why menopause is such a problem for people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know about actual like on the site of the pellet because it's desi- essentially, I, from what I understand, pellets dissolve, dissolve. over time. Yeah. So um, I don't believe that there's like an actual immune response. Because I know with like the birth control, the implant birth control. Oh, absolutely. People have responded really negatively. Mm-hmm. Same with the- IUD. Yeah. It's a, it's an, it, it is an external object in your body mm-hmm. that is not meant to be there. Birth control is essentially steroids. It's you're, you're on a steroid hormone. You're taking steroids. Just reading the other day about scar tissue that actually can develop yes. around IUDs and cysts and all of these things. Oh, yeah. It's just really wild. But anyways, um, back to the scheduled programming. So let's talk about estrogen and what a bitch this can be um, when it comes to your thyroid. So yes. we've talked a lot about estrogen and how it can impact, obviously, just your day-to-day feelings. But there is a big correlation with hypothyroidism as estrogen dominance can inhibit the availability of your thyroid hormones. So this results in hypothyroidism. Thyroidism. Okay. And this is a, a, a kind of a gift that keeps on giving it. It's a two way street here. So the more estrogen dominant you become, the more your thyroid shuts down, meaning it produces T4 and T3. Conversely, when you have low thyroid hormones, this can drive estrogen dominance. So again, it's a cycle if one feeds the other. So we got to pay close attention to this. Um, and one of the things that drives estrogen dominance is when you're coming off of birth control. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a little bit about how, you know, progesterone tanks and we need that, but between the age of 35 and 50, progesterone takes a nosedive, drops by about 75% in between those years, while estrogen's only declining at about 35%. Again, this is just kind of like a normal scenario. Everybody is very bio-individual. There's going to be outliers here, of course, with people that have things like PCOS or endometriosis, right? You might lose your progesterone in your 20s. Um, but estrogen compared to progesterone, if it's relatively high here, is still a situation of estrogen dominance is what we would call it. Um, And so we see this a lot because people coming off of the hormonal birth control, especially if there was a combination uh, birth control here, like a prescription uh, pill that was a combination, you have some progestin in there, which is fake progesterone, but that down regulates your natural production of progesterone. So you get off of these things, 
estrogen is declining at a lower rate than progesterone already naturally, but then your body has naturally stopped producing progesterone because it's had this fake progestin for the last however many years. I know for me, I was on birth control for several years. Mm -hmm. Um, And so again, we see this all the time because when women, you know, their progesterone levels are just basically of a postmenopausal woman. I think Becca can relate to this with what she's going through right now. Oh yeah. um, Or non-existent. It's because this is, you know, it's just tanked. So it's really important. I think this is again, why we want to look at a full picture for people. What's happening with your thyroid? What's happening, you know, with estrogen and we address things the same way. Uh, the gut always goes first because your hormones are created in the gut, right? They're synthesized from cholesterol. We need fatty acids to create and produce hormones. So you still start with the gut, but you still have to take into account, as we talked about on the thyroid podcast, things that are happening downstream are always impacting things upstream. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing of all is inflammation. Yes. So all of your hormones are managed by your hypothalamus and pituitary. If there's neural inflammation, if your pituitary is unable to signal or get the signals to where it needs to be, this creates chaos across the board. Yeah. Digestive secretions, thyroid hormones, sex hormones, all kinds of things, adrenals, all of that. So as we kind of talked about in the beginning, we got to identify where is the stress coming from? What is in your stress bucket? Are there underlying effects? Is it a combination? A lot of times it's the combination. Absolutely. It's not just one thing. And it's the accumulation. Yes. And so this can feel overwhelming, which is why we really do recommend working with someone if possible, especially if you've been dealing with it for a while and if you've exhausted options. Like if you've done the calorie deficit and you can truly say like, I adhered, I did this, I did it for at least eight to 12 weeks, nothing changed or things got worse. And if your symptoms continue to get worse, find someone to work with guys. Like it is, a, it is a rough road to travel by yourself, especially if you don't know what you're doing. You can make things worse. Symptoms typically get worse. <laughs> they, they don't get better. Um, you know, I don't know many people that are like, yeah, I just did this and this and like everything got better. No. If you, especially all- like removing foods, it's, t- it's not fixing anything. You're removing symptoms maybe, but you're not fixing anything. Right. And then what happens? You, cut, you bring them back in and you feel worse again. Yeah. And then it's like, you just wasted all of this time. You're also now probably getting worse because you're malnourished. Guys, remember that food is the best medicine, but that requires the ability to properly break down and absorb those nutrients. A lot of times when we have somebody who is in a very compromised state, like one of my girls yesterday, she's young and she's in a really compromised state. She's got multiple infections, bacterial overgrowth, her pancreas is not looking too great. And so I've got her on a medical food to support her getting nutrients into the body. We're going to use some liposomal things, right? Because not always, you have to think if you're taking supplements, this is why we put hydrozyme and stomach acid support in place for people because you want to get the most out of your supplements. We want to get you out of the state as fast as possible, but you cannot have energy if you don't have energy. See what I'm saying here? You don't have energy. Like you don't feel good throughout the day with good what other word can I say for energy here? But like good stamina, good thoughts, right? Where you're able to think and be productive and like motivation, drive. You want to do these things because you've got good energy. If you don't have energy from calories and nutrients coming in that you're able to absorb. So we hope that this helps you guys today. We know that you want to lose weight. We honor that you want to lose weight. We promise 
will get you to the place that you can work the physique. But function has to go first. Physique comes second. We didn't make the rules. We don't. They're still the rules. We can't argue with science. You can't. You guys, you can be mad at the facts. It doesn't change that they're the facts. So take it up with the big man upstairs. Hopefully you can understand why you have to work the body for the body to work. And hopefully this is an awakening for you that maybe things need to change. And if you want that change and you need help with that change, please reach out. That is what we do. We're more than happy to help or find someone that you trust to get you through that process.